weed, otherwise known as marijuana. It's incredibly available. It's very powerful. And as parents, we should be concerned about how it's affecting our teenagers' brains. Welcome back to Shrinking It Down, Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Gene Bresson. And I'm Steve Schlossman. And we have a distinguished guest today, Dr. Jody Gilman. Jody, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about your area of research? Sure. I'm an associate professor at Harvard Medical School, and I'm a neuroscientist. I work at the Center for Addiction Medicine at Mass General Hospital, and my research is on the effects of alcohol and cannabis on the brain, particularly the brains of young adults and adolescents. That, cool. that doesn't feel very relevant, does it? <laughs> no, not, not at all. <laughs> and, and can I just point out, you described her as a distinguished guest, which she absolutely is. But would we ever bring an undistinguished guest onto this esteemed show? Well, I don't feel distinguished. Well, you should. <laughs> I mean, maybe the hosts, maybe the hosts don't Mr. have to be distinguished. Full professor of blah blah blah. <laughs> right, yes, right. no, no. We're we're delighted to have you. <laughs> Thank um, you. And and it's and my goodness, it, it's certainly in the news. So so. We, and it's in the news in a way that I, it's actually hard to tease out what is um, kind of politically driven, what's ideologically driven, what's medically driven. And what's, what's driven by lobbyists. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, yeah. Uh, what's yeah. driven by money, I guess that's, sure. that's kind of what yeah. you're saying. Sure, um, sure. Before we get there, Gene, tell me what's on your mind because we like to schmooze just a little bit before we get rolling. Oh, okay. Um, well, what's been on my mind has been my granddaughter, Sasha, who is 20 months, and um, you know I, I tended to go into music a lot when we when we say what she she loves to dance and she loves music. Now her dad's a professional musician and she comes from a musical family, but you know this is I've never seen a 20 month that has such great taste. I mean what she loves. I mean imagine, and she has a wealth of things to oh, choose wait, from. Taste is taste. Not entirely objective. I just want to point that out. <laughs> like, you might have I some... happen to like it. Right, okay. That's the point <laughs> I'm making, but go ahead. Well, okay, so, so, but how many 20 months old like, for example, Deo? Like, Harry Belafonte? I did. Okay. Oh, you my kidding? son would like that. Okay, and how yeah. many How many like Georgia? Oh, but the, only the Ray Georgia Charles... Georgia on my mind? Yeah, or... Georgia on my mind, but only the Ray Charles version, because I play her a whole bunch of different... But she just wants to do... Georgia, when I, when I play her a different version, because, you know, I have all these... She goes... No, no. She only wants to hear. Now, now, you are a good enough scientist to know that she might be taking some tiny cues and from her wait grandpa. Wait a second. And interestingly, this and this is kind of really cool. You're not, you're, not, you're not taking my bait. No, here. no. Okay. I'm, Go ahead. That you mean that I'm cueing her? Yeah, potentially. Like your eyes get all bright when you play the Ray Charles version, and kids are really tuned. They can't talk I much, but like they can other, sure tune I in. I do like some of the other versions. I know, though. but I, you're part. But of apart the from the kids' songs, which are the, the standard, you know, Baby Beluga and things like that. Every time I put on jug band music, now, I mean jug band music, like the Memphis yep. jug band and Jim Queskin and even John Sebastian has a couple jug band albums. It is remarkable how fun that music is, particularly to young children. I mean, she's just, she, she, when, it, when the music is on in my room, and this is not cute, so I have music in my office all the time, and I'm sitting in there and I'm doing my thing, 
And when the jug band music comes on, she comes in the music and she's dancing. So it's kind of interesting, you know. It, there's something really well, it's one, it's celebratory great. about jug band music. So it's really just really cute. <laughs> it is. It is. It is great really, music. Really sweet. <laughs> so what's going on with you? Um, uh, gonna go see daughter in college this weekend. Uh, and this is her. This is the parents' week. The parents' visiting week. Uh, she's a freshman, so they'll be looking forward to seeing her. Weird not to have her in the house. Uh, and this is your alma mater too. Yeah, she. We're going back to my alma mater, which will be nice. Um, I don't know. You know, there's. Uh, it's it's a funky time of year, uh, because there's um, everybody's sick. It feels like, um, it, like I was teaching the medical students yesterday. The HST. The, that's that's the MD PhD students. And the, I swear it was like being in a in a ward for like some <laughs> contagious like I didn't want to touch anything I just wanted to kind of walk in and out of the room and Keep and they that. all knew it too they were all you know laughing about it they did ask a really interesting you question you could have worn a mask right no I don't think that would <laughs> somehow I don't think that would have been the best example <laughs> but it, it, relevant to our, our podcast they asked this really interesting question we we've been talking about different pharmacologic remedies for um, uh, PTSD. And then we had um, another uh, person come and talk to him about psychotherapies. And one of them pointed out that, geez, if you change the story, so, so we were talking about how if you, if you retell the story of a traumatic experience, then you move it out of declarative memory and back into this sort of unstable state where then you can well, Can you define what, for the listeners, what's so, declarative so memory? So it's, it's short, briefly, it basically means that you have something easily accessible in your brain, so that you can, when asked about it, you can you can bring it, it up right back. away. Yeah. Okay. Um, let me. May I check in with our neuroscientist to my right to make <laughs> yeah, sure I'm no, right about not, that? That sounds about right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but but you can but you can re you if you give somebody a script of their trauma and you have them say it again, then actually at least declarative memory becomes actually unstable, almost like a chemical reaction. And then if you block the noradrenergic response, so the fight or flight response, right. which we've known about forever, with you know beta blockers or in in um, uh, animals, they'll use more toxic agents. You actually can make the trauma go, well, the sequelae of the trauma go away. And that just brought to mind for me the power of stories so much, how stories can get garbled, how we can retell them, how they change their meaning over time, not just for trauma, but for all of us, how they're just so much a part of human experience. Mm -hmm. So I just found myself musing. You muse about music, I muse about stories. It was, yeah. it was really interesting. That's, that's cool. Um, so um, that's what's going on. But I, I do want to talk about weed right now um, because, A, I know that's not exactly the medical term, but, B, that's what every one of my patients calls it right now, yeah. which is not what it was called when I was growing up, by the way. So and we're one of the, what, 19 states where it's – Jody, how, how many states is it medically – used in how many states are recreational now? So it's hard to keep up with it because it changes all the time. So it, I know uh, medical marijuana is approved in at least 23 states. Um, recreational, oh gosh, more than eight. Yeah, I think more it's... More than eight. Ten, maybe? Yeah, I think yeah. it's ten. And yeah. then, and then yeah. there's the entire nation of Canada yes. to, to our yes. north. Yes, that's right, um, that's right. And and yet it remains illegal federally, if, right. if I right. understand it. Although it looks like they're just going to let that one go because... They have to. Yeah, yeah, right? at this they point this to. train has left the station so right. much right. that... But, but but given how many of my patients, it's interesting, like, I think more of my patients are smoking now, and I'm not trying to reveal patient information. Sure, like, of like, course. I don't think that makes me unique to any child psychiatrist out <laughs> no. there. No. Um, than ever before. 
And I can't tell, are they smoking more because it's more available? Are they smoking more because it's more powerful? Are they smoking more because it feels better? And then what does that mean for their brain? Yeah, I think there's a there's a lot of reasons they're they're using more. I think I think use is increasing also because the perception of risk has gone way down, and we can thank you know the media for that, the legalization campaigns for that. People people have a, a vested interest in um, propagating this myth that cannabis is harmless, and it's medicine, and it's it's like bubble gum, right? It's 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 or good for your brain. It's like gummy bears. Yeah, it's, it's actually like gummy yeah. bears. But what's yeah. interesting, what's yeah. interesting yeah. is 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 most parents would say that medicine is not safe. I mean, there are many medicines that are harmful, but this is a different kind of medicine, right? Well, I mean, it's also administered differently. Yeah, you hear, like, it's a plant, yeah. it's natural. Well, well also, you know, what medicine you do you go to a dispensary for? None, you go to a pharmacist, right? None. But so, this one, you go to a special kind of pharmacy, I guess. Right, so in this country, we have a really nice method for getting medicines tested and approved through the FDA, where they're tested for dose, and purity, and you know, you, you go through all, you know, reams and reams of paperwork to show side effects and interactions. And this is the first medicine that was voted on in a ballot box, which I don't think is a great model for medicine. And you can hear people say things like, well, we can't study it because it's illegal, so we can't study it. But that's actually not true. You can study it, and people are studying it. And, you know, there are pharmaceutical companies that are getting cannabinoid medications approved. There was, there's just a big one. Um, by G GW Pharmaceuticals, uh, Epidiolex just got approved for two rare forms of childhood epilepsy. And that's wonderful. That's wonderful that, that these kids with epilepsy are being treated. But that doesn't mean that anyone with a shoulder inju injury should use it. So it's, it's an interesting... Um, what you're saying is that there, is, there are clear... And this is something I've always thought, and, mm -hmm. and reading the literature, I can s see that too. There are clear medical uses for um, cannabis. Like, Very few, though. But that's so that's Very where people few. start having these stories, yeah. right? How right? many yeah. are actually there? Are many there are many that are claimed yeah. to be that's useful, right. but 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 how many are actually proven in rigorous studies to be actually useful, or or more useful than less dangerous substances? Right, that would right. be the other question. Right, right. We're, we're, we're the benefits. Clearly because we, outweigh give, the we risks. give medicines that have risk all the time. Yes. Sure, so, of so. course. So, so this this epilepsy, these these two rare forms of childhood epilepsy, are, are perfect examples. And and Epidiolex is a medication is dispensed at a pharmacy in a, in a specific dose. So that that's that's very different than going to a dispensary and saying, well, let me try uh, you know this one and that one and that one because I you know have this and this and this condition. It's 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 a very different model. So we can, I guess we can be upset about this, but the fact is that there's also these recreational laws that are passing. You have to be 21, so in mass, I mean, it doesn't stop, it's not like being 21 stopped many of us from having a beer when we were younger sure. than that, too. So we know sure. that people are going to smoke when they're under that age, but even if we wish that it were better regulated, it looks like it's not going to be. That's right. So what I, do we do? That's a great question. Um, so... What we've seen in Colorado is that it's been a free-for-all. Um, there are now oils, dabs, these products that are um, odorless. There's no smoke associated with them. So, um, you know, kids can use them all day at school. They, they, they smoke them through a vape pen, which looks just like a big pen. Mm -hmm. So a teacher would have no idea if, if, if a high school kid was completely high all day long. Um, it's not like, you know, sneaking out to smoke on the corner where... You know, it's pretty obvious. Um, so I think I think Colorado's been kind of a not not the example that we all want to achieve um, with recreational cannabis. And and, and let's and, and and let's go back. 
So what are, in, 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 your, in your studies, what are the risks? What are the dangers to the teenage brain? Why, why should we be worried? Sure, that's a great question. So we all know um, now there's there's consensus among scientists that that the teenage brain is still developing at, at an extremely uh, an extremely um, um, high rate. So there's structural changes, there's functional changes. Um, the brain's connections are being strengthened. So the brain becomes more efficient during adolescence. And there's a system called the cannabinoid system um, that is really underlying a lot of brain growth and development. And the cannabinoid system is the same system that's targeted by THC, which is the main psychoactive compound in marijuana. THC looks like uh, a molecule that's naturally occurring in the brain called anandamide, which is an endocannabinoid. So when you, when you add THC to that mix, it perturbs the system. So the brain, you know, the, the, the brain growth and development is, is thrown off track. And that can affect things like learning, like memory. Um, it can affect um, your emotions, uh, motivation, uh, decision-making, higher-order executive functions, and we don't even really know all of the ways that cannabis affects the teenage brain because it hasn't been studied for that long. Mm -hmm. And what has been studied was marijuana from another era. Yes. Too. So that's yes. also, I mean, yes. like that's any cash also. crop, it's being grown to be more and more potent. And as yeah, what's the difference between, between, you know, cannabis now and, say, cannabis yeah. in the 70s? It's almost like two different drugs, I would say. So if you think about the cannabis in the 60s and 70s, people were um, rolling leaf cannabis into a joint or a bowl, they could pack it into a bowl, and they were smoking it. Um, the main psychoactive compound, THC, was usually about 1% to 2% of the plant product, and the rest were, I mean, there's over 400 uh, chemicals in, in, the, in the cannabis plant. Um, there's another uh, chemical called CBD or cannabidiol, which is supposed to temper some of the effects of the THC. So um, there was, you know, high, high quantities of CBD in these, in these plants. And that's what was used in the 60s and 70s. Now you look at, again, and I keep going back to these oils and these dabs um, and, you know, the way that, that you can vaporize this product and you can package it into these edibles, um, candies and chocolates and gummies and sodas. Um, and, and these THC levels are up to 80%. There was one that, that I was looking at the other day on the internet because one of my patients sent it to me that claimed 99% THC. Now, I don't even know if that's possible. Wow. But, but you're talking about something totally different than, than you know, rolling up leaves in paper. And when it binds, when, when the THC gets into the brain, mm -hmm. my understanding is that it makes all of the cells talk to each other more than they would otherwise. That's a, much, that's a very blunt way of saying it. But how would you describe it? So it's, it's a really good question. We don't really understand all the molecular interactions of THC. Um, but yes, there are studies that show that it does um, increase connectivity in the brain. Um, Which and is not by definition no, a good thing. No, so so no. people say, oh, my brain's more connected, therefore yeah, it must yeah, be doing yeah. better, and we have to be careful. And, yeah, yeah, there's, there's this, there's this, um, this um, I'm trying to think of how to say this. Um, there's an ideal state for the brain to be in. And if it's too small, it's bad. If it's too big, it's bad. It's, it's, it's you know, evolution has designed our brains to, to do really well the way they are. So, you know, decreased connectivity is not great and, and increased connectivity is not great. Um, it's not like increased connectivity makes you smarter. You mm -hmm. know, it's, it's your, your brain isn't functioning the way it should. So that's why you can get hallucinations. I mean, halluc hallucinations are often the result of increased connectivity. And you're seeing things and you're hearing things that aren't there. Um, so I think we have to be really careful about um, how, we, how we describe this. So what would you say if somebody said, well, 
we get the same thing if we have a drink before a party, and then it makes it easier for us to talk to our friends at parties because we're less we're anxious and we get less inhibited. What about the person who like? Is it possible to have marijuana be kind of similar to alcohol in modern society? I think it is possible among responsible adults. We see what's happening with teenage drinking. There are very few, I mean, you can speak to this, there are very few teenagers who drink responsibly. Um, I think the maturity isn't there. I think that the teenage brain is very vulnerable to insults and a lot of teenagers aren't um, making decisions in the most logical way. They're highly influenced by their peers. And again, this has been yeah. shown in study after study after yeah, study. Sure. Um, I think, is it possible? <coughs> sure. Is there, are there some kids out there who can do this responsibly? Maybe. So we have a starting Maybe. age of 21, and the average yeah. age of adolescents ending from a brain development standpoint is around 25, 26. Right. Yeah. So we actually have adolescents legally using a product, as they do with alcohol too, for that matter, that is still affecting brain development in a way that you actually can't undo. That's right. I agree with that. Uh, we don't really know when, so so that you can't undo. I'm gonna I'm gonna nitpick that a little bit. We don't we don't really know what the long term effects yeah. are years and years after you stop using. Yeah. But um, certainly, you know, in the near futures, it's affecting their brain. And we actually studied this in our lab. We had um, a clinical trial in high school students where um, kids, were ran kids who are, were already using cannabis, a lot of them were using daily, were randomized to either um, not changing their behavior, um, and it was just observing them, or stopping cannabis use. And we found that the ones who stopped cannabis use improved on their scores. How'd you get them to stop? What, it's food on what kind of school? On their, on their academic school? Well, I want to know how they stopped first. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, okay, I'll answer both questions. Yeah. We paid them. Okay. We no, paid that's them okay. That's, I mean, that's, uh, which is um, typical which is for a, a study. That's right. right. Yeah. And, and it's a great motivator. It's yeah. an excellent yeah. motivator. When you stop the payments, they go back to using. So it's not mm -hmm. a long-term treatment, yeah. but it's an excellent <clears throat> motivator. You can pay people for clean drug screens, and they do really well. Um, and what were we testing them on? We, yeah. we used a battery of cognitive tasks. We tested things like memory and attention and executive function and planning and, and things like that. And memory was the one area where we saw dramatic improvement when people stopped using cannabis. Huh. And memory is you know, encoding and, and learning. That's another way of saying learning. Yeah. So they learned better when they stopped. And they stopped, and because and my understanding is that it actually stays in the system a long time. So in other words, you know, a month, right? It, it, Ish. On average. On average, about yeah. 30 days. So so how long after they stopped did you actually kind of test their memory functions? So we tested them weekly, and we saw um, improvement even over, over the first week. Wow. So yeah. even though it was still in their system, yeah. they showed they showed continued improvement. That's right. Wow. So then let's say you got a call from somebody who said, we need a policy. We need some kind of health policy here because mm -hmm. this, this train's left the station. The recreational places are open. The medicinal places are open. It's not hard to get a medical marijuana card. We, we know that. What would your policy be? How would you? Would it be education? Would it be like? Yeah. I. I uh, look. We don't need to throw people in jail anymore. I think we're past that. Yeah. I think it didn't work. It was. It was highly. Um, you know, it, it hurt a lot of communities. Nobody wants to go back to that. Or at least yeah. I don't. Um, but I think that we do need to educate people. I think. I mean. People think it's harmless. I, I talk to people. I talk to high school students. I talk to parents. And they say, well, it's probably better than drinking, right? And I say, well, we don't really know that. We don't really yeah. know the answer to that. And, and I think an educational campaign where we, we, we tell people the dangers of um, driving while intoxicated. Yeah. Um, the, our, our kids in our studies don't think that that's a problem. They say, oh, I wouldn't drive drunk. But if I were high, yeah, I would probably and, drive. And, 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 a, and a fair percent of parents actually 
don't don't believe that it, it impairs driving. I mean, because right. it was that when we did Hub Week, you and I were on, and and I cited the studies that we that were done with Liberty Mutual, and you know about almost I think it was thirty eight percent, almost almost forty mm-hmm. percent mm-hmm. of parents thought that it didn't it didn't impair or, or driving it wasn't distracting, which is pretty scary. That is scary. Because it really does affect your perception, your reaction time. It affects a lot of a lot of things. Right. Well, and, and and going back to what I would do as a policy, I would restrict the amount of THC that could be in these products. I would require them to be labeled and they're getting there. Um I, I don't know the exact regulations, but mm-hmm. I, I know at first in Colorado there was no labeling on these products. Um, and I think they're they're getting to that. And I, w- I would cap the, the amount of THC that could be in these products. So sim- that actually is similar to alcohol policy, right? Yeah. Where you know the proof of yeah. the alcohol. Yeah. You know how much beer is. You know how much wine yeah. is. You know how and much hard liquor is. You know the proof. Right? And sometimes among kids, because they like to take risks, they actually use those numbers as a means of kind mm-hmm. of pounding their chest. So right. this 99% THC, they're like, oh, wow, look at this. But at least it's done from a position of knowing what's going on. Like, like it, I would argue that it might be better for someone to know they're smoking something super strong than to not know what they're smoking at all. Well, I, I don't think a 99% THC product should be legal. Right, right. I mean, so, that's... So, yeah. but maybe, so there's got to be some threshold in addition right. with your with your, your um, policy. Right, and whether that's yeah. 5%, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I mean, we could talk to chemists yeah. about that. Yeah. And besides these regulations, I mean, just your opinion. So, since many folks who are listening are parents, um, h- how would you advise... The parents to talk with their, with their teenagers and their college students. I mean, since the brain is developing until twenty six, I mean, what what kind of conversation should we be having, you know, about about uh, cannabis use? I mean, what 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 kinds of conversations do we have about alcohol? You know, how would you tell your your eighteen year old to, to act around alcohol right now? That's a great question. Well, you know, we we, we certainly know a lot about what what a lot of alcohol can do to you and and how horrible it could be and and about alcohol intoxication and about alcohol poisoning about mm-hmm. you know doing you know you know getting you know uh, Im- impulsivity doing pretty crazy things but you know I mean, e- motor vehicle accidents but, but i mean even i'm more thinking than of the, all the, the danger all yeah, the things that yeah. i've talked with my kids about but yeah. even more than the scare tactic which i think is is you know part of what yeah. we do we also say to our kids look you're in trouble you give us a call and the reason we want you to give us, a, like, you get a get-out-of-jail-free card because I yeah. don't want you to be in trouble. Right. So if your friends are about to drive you someplace and they're too drunk to drive, give me a call, come get you, and right. I'll take your friends home, too. We should say the same thing yes. to kids who are all smoking. I, I, that's, yes, yeah. I think that's Certainly right. True. I think that's right. And, and I, th- I think, you know, you could treat them like, like you know, responsible members of, of society, and you can say, this is what the studies show. This is what marijuana does to the developing brain. Um, you know, if I were you, I would wait a few years. You know, I, I, I have no problem with, with a 40-year-old smoking a joint. I mean, fine. Um, but, but my 18-year-old, I would, I would object to that, and I would tell them why. And, and, and let me, let me, let me go, go one step further. I mean, I've, I've read that in Massachusetts, for example, I think it's 50% of adults are using cannabis at one time or another. Really? So, wow. Well, there's, there's a pretty high percentage. Yeah. So the question is, is that it, 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 this is a typical teenager yeah. says, hey, you know, I saw you. Yeah, yeah. You know, but you know, and they could yeah. say, "Well, my brain is developed." Well, it's sucking. <laughs> <laughs> that's not. That, first of all, there's not, probably lots of evidence that it's not. If you're, if you're, I mean, I can imagine my parents saying that to me. Well, I think, <laughs> I think my point is, is that, is that I think just, just as with alcohol, I mean, if it, if if a kid calls an adult out on drinking too much, yeah. I mean, I think my own hunch is, is that, is that we should be honest about 
about the fact that we don't know about cannabis and its and its and its ill effects sure. for both teenagers and for adults, and um, and this is an experiment going on. I mean, we we need to be talking about you know moderation. We need to be talking about thinking about and thinking about what we're doing when we when if and when one does indulge, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely. I you know I shouldn't tell the story. The um. <laughs> One of the biggest mistruths I ever told my parents is I came home from college, had hair thin, had a beard, <laughs> I was wearing a tie-dye, and my dad was sure I was smoking a lot of, a lot of marijuana. And I wasn't. Hadn't, ever. But he was so sure of it, and he kept, like, my dad was very kind of old-fashioned, is very kind of old-fashioned, and he kept leaving documents on my bed about the dangers of marijuana. <laughs> and finally, my well, he was a pulmonologist, right? Yes, I mean, yeah. I mean, and he was worried about your yes. lungs. Yeah, yeah. So finally, my lie to my father was that, yes, I am smoking. Whoa. Even though I wasn't, because that made him sort of just back off a little bit. I said, well, I'm glad you can be honest with me, Steve. But I wasn't, actually. <laughs> but it was, it was an interesting moment where also we make assumptions about people based on the way they, you know, look and act. And, you know, as I look back on it, I wanted, I was going for the look of somebody. Who, who was sort of into that, yeah. which is actually not a bad lesson for kids. You don't have to smoke to have, go to the party. You can still go to the party, right? Like, you don't yeah. have to... Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I think I think there's there have been studies on this that, that teenagers think that others are using more than they are. Yeah. So teenagers think huh. that more of their friends drink. They think that more of their friends smoke than actually do. Yeah. And I think that does go into the whole look thing you're talking about. Yeah. A lot of people want to look cool and act cool, but they don't actually want to do drugs. Yeah. Or at least not in the amounts that, that we're seeing. Right. right. Yeah. So more to come. On so, this, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, uh, we, uh, your, your, your work is really important. I mean, we need oh, to know more you. about it. And more about CBD, which we, we can't get into now, but maybe we'll bring you back yeah, to talk a little bit yeah, about CBD. Sure. Because that's, sure. that's a lot of people say, well, I don't smoke, but I'm using CBD because I've, I, I, I've got, in fact, one patient told me this the other day. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I, what really helps my anxiety is CBD. And there's a CBD shop that's opened up, and it's perfectly legal in the state that that, yeah. that that person is going to school. It's all the rage. It is the it's rage. It's all the rage right now. There is, I can't find any evidence. I can't find any peer-reviewed, double-blind, placebo-controlled clinical trials. But On CBD, yeah. Yeah. But so when we, um, when we uh, publish this podcast, uh, we'll put a link to that study that you Oh, yeah, that would be great. Oh, yeah, sure, um, sure. Because that sounds like really sure. useful information. A month off. Mm-hmm. memory goes up that sounds like a big story yeah so. yeah it was it was really uh quite dramatic that's it was that's a important. very it's clear important. story it's important for people to read mm-hmm. so more to come more to come so uh this is the segment when we before we sign off we talk about the news and what what strikes us about what's going on in the news today um for me it's the it's the grand theater of American politics, which has become <laughs> our new sports, I think. Oh, like, we, we tune in daily to find out what the Supreme Court vote was as if it's a sports score. We watch the theatrical clapping on both sides of the aisle, the eye rolling where there's close-up cameras. It's very strange where it's... Politicians have always performed, but never like this. And, it, and this might be a monster we've created because we put a camera on them yeah. all the time. So, no. so they feel like they have to perform. So it's just, it's interesting to watch where I can't actually tell what's, what's satire and what's yeah. real. Yeah. What, what about you, Jody? So uh, I'm not going to talk about something in the news. I'm going to talk about uh, what happened this morning. Is that okay? Sure. So today's <laughs> Valentine's Day. 
Um, happy Valentine's happy Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. And I have two Thank little you boys. Reminding me, by the way. <laughs> I have no, two I'm sons. Kidding. They're <laughs> the two and four, and the four-year-old. He was just so excited about Valentine's Day, and we made cards, and he was so excited. <laughs> and he woke up this morning, and he was so excited. Mommy, it's Valentine's Day, and I said yes. And he goes, I want to wear a shirt with hearts on it. That's what he said. He's a little boy. I went through all his drawers. I went through all his clothes, and I, I, I had nothing. His, paper. That's right. He, yeah. he had trucks and dinosaurs. He had planets. You he had cut out a heart. But, but you <laughs> yeah. know, I, I just think that, that uh, clothing has become so gendered that it made me feel wow. terrible that I couldn't find a heart in my son's wardrobe. So that, that's just something that I, I you know, it's, it's not news, but it is. No, that's, the, that's the actually that's totally new really because the, the, the there's world this is huge amount of literature about like how we narrowed and narrowed and narrowed yeah. the acceptable ways to be a given gender. Um, right. and, it's, and more so for boys than for girls. So yeah, and, and my boys can do whatever they want. They can take dance lessons. They can play with dolls. Yeah. I'm not, I, I do not care. They can, yeah. but, but I, just, I just felt so guilty this morning and, and, and that I've, I've bought into this society where boys have to wear, you know, blocks and dinosaur and, and cars and that's we, it. We haven't gotten away from these uh, sexual stereotypes, mm-hmm. especially in clothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. So what I was thinking about on Valentine's Day, um, which is, um, this is the anniversary of the uh, Parkland shooting, the, the worst school shooting in, 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 in U.S. history. And, and, and what occurred to me about it, I mean, there's all this stuff that's going on in legislative action. and It's the worst school shooting in history. In history. Period. In history, wow. yeah. yeah. Um, and so, um, and, I, and I had forgotten that it was on Valentine's Day, which makes it... Um, even more tragic. But what I was thinking about is um, how important it is for us as clinicians to be um, uh, asking um, our uh, uh, patients, our parents, if there if are guns in the house. And I know that it, it, it's controversial in some states. The American Academy of Pediatrics has certainly advocated that, not just in the house, but, but, um, but in, in friends' houses, that parents are supposed to be asking, we're supposed to be asking parents, are the homes that your kids are going to, are there firearms in those homes, and, and how, are they, how are they kept? Yeah, it, it's not a done deal that if there are firearms in that home, they, they shouldn't go there. The question no. is, are those firearms secured? That's right. That's, well, and, you, and how and, are they And secured? you come from Kansas where, where it's... I mean, I, my family did not own guns, but most of the folks on our street did. Right. They hunted. And you know, these were doctors and lawyers went hunting, yeah. and they had their guns. But I remember those guns were like triple locked up, like they were kept really, really, really secure. And there were lots yeah. and lots and lots of rules. And these were long guns too; they weren't yeah. handguns. But but you know, there but lots I, of it rules. just it just reminds yeah. me how important it is for us to be asking these questions and having these discussions, um, uh, because you know the data shows that you know uh, when 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 kids have access to firearms, it uh, it can be lethal. Um, in one way or another, and um, you know, we want to keep everybody safe, and these these shouldn't be things that we we should be afraid to kind of talk about. And, and those laws, we should point out, there there had been at least in Florida and one other state, 
there had been laws prohibiting physicians from asking about this or any clinicians. Those laws have since been struck down by the respective state legislatures. Yeah. So even it had always been the standard of care to ask, always. but now it's also yeah. no longer legally suspect either. Well, what, what was the issue? Why? So the issue was that it would infringe upon Second Amendment rights. Yeah. By asking a question. Yeah. Oh. Interesting, huh? Because they would say the necessary, the, the steps one would have to take if they got an answer they didn't like would force them to then violate, mm. potentially yeah. violate the right to own yeah. firearms. Wow. It's, it's a stretch of Amazing. an argument. I think it's it is. It's a stretch. Um, yeah. As somebody who's not particularly bothered by guns, it's a stretch of an argument. Yeah. You know? I mean, I've never had one. I don't yeah. plan on having one, but it's, yeah. Well, um, thank you very much, Jody, for coming, and thank everybody for listening. And um, uh, if you have any comments, questions, uh, this is a really big area. We should talk a lot more about, about cannabis uh, in the future, and we will. Um, I'm Gene Barresi. And I'm Steve Schlossman. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.